0: Welcome to the Gridiron Show. This is a bonus podcast that we are running on a Friday. I'm Ollie Conley, the managing editor of Gridiron, and you may know that I run a a newsletter and podcast called The Read Optional that you can find on readoptional.substack.com. Each week through the end of the season, I am going to be joined by John Ledyard, a great NFL analyst, to do a home and home podcast. So, what I thought I would do is run an excerpt of our conversation from Tuesday on the struggles with the Packers' offense. We got into on Tuesday a ton of different stuff. We got into the books, we got into the Broncos, we got into the Jets and the Giants. But I thought I'd run for you what is one of the dominant conversations in the NFL right now about who is to blame, what's at fault, what's going wrong with the Packers' offense. So we're going to play for you now my conversation with John on the issues with the Packers' offense. If you're interested in listening to the full podcast, you can subscribe to the Read Optional in the link to get... The weekly podcasts, other podcasts, and a ton of written content too. If you are into nerdy, scheme, X's and O's type stuff, I promise you the read optionals for you for the price of a cup of coffee or a beer a month. So, go and... Subscribe to the Redoxal, and if not, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome to the Home and Home Podcast. We are taping this on a Tuesday afternoon. I am joined on the line by John Ledyard of Audible's
1: and Analytics. John, how are you? I'm doing great, Ollie. I'm excited to do this, to talk a little ball with you. I know you've got one of the best scheme minds out there, and I'm just really excited to hear your thoughts on a bunch of different things and hopefully be able to shed shed a little light on some football things myself.
0: So we should intro for the people what we are doing here. They may be hearing my voice mm-hmm. on your podcast feed. Then are now they're hearing your voice on my podcast feed. We both run Substack accounts. Um, we both do stuff behind the paywall in terms of newsletters. And I do more writing. You do more of the podcasting. We've decided to get ourselves mm-hmm. together to put one podcast on both the feeds we're going to have a go at this see if we enjoy it see if the listeners enjoy it and as much as they will tolerate Mm -hmm. us together digging through some (laughs) fun nerdy stuff we will keep returning to deliver the fun nerdy stuff
1: yeah absolutely i was pretty excited when we started talking about Substack and content creation and um we kind of like like hey what if we did something together once in a while and to me it's exciting because I've tried to work with you many times in the past before too. And we've, it's almost happened a couple of times. And so I'm just excited to be able to now, is it, you know, for you is this full-time endeavor and you're throwing yourself into it and doing a great job of it. Um, I am kind of doing this on the side, but really like not having a co-host for the last couple of weeks doing it, it's been like, man, I really like want to go back and forth with someone and get someone else's thoughts and have someone challenge me. Cause like, I don't want to sit there and just Diss on everything, like I know everything, because I don't. So, like, have it go back and forth, and that kind of energy from the podcast. So, I was excited when we talked about excited about our ideas that we have for it. Excited to be doing something like this regularly, where we have these crossover podcasts and talk a lot about how certain games and schemes and players have played uh, during the season. Um, To to have that interaction with you is going to be a lot of fun, and I'm really excited for our topics today because I think they will be touching on a number of things people have significant questions on. How is this happening to fill in the blank unit in the NFL. And I think you and I hopefully are going to be able to answer some of those questions for people today. Yeah. We're going to get into the teams, the, uh, the units we think
0: are struggling, the ones that we think are doing really, really good jobs, which I know doesn't sound like mm-hmm. the highest of praise, but there's also a lot of bad football. I agree with Tom Brady. There is an awful lot of bad football in the NFL at the moment <laughs> that we should, and we will discuss three of them in detail. And even the 3 that they're doing pretty good. There's also a lot of bad football going on with those three teams, which is, a. Uh, mm-hmm. It's interesting also, just before we get rolling, do you think we need to do any sense of bio? Because the thing that I was excited about when we started talking is I like to go macro, league-wide what is happening kind of these these mini evolutions of the league you like to tell me exactly why the linebacker is doing the job wrong and you like to tell me which mm-hmm. linebacker is doing well and which linebacker is doing poorly as i look mm-hmm. at human giant x's and human giant o's so i think that yeah there's a nice symbiosis there between you telling me who are the good linebackers and me trying to figure out if they're in the right spots or not
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the things that's most exciting to me. I think obviously you know enough about player evaluation to like talk about that stuff. And I know enough about a scheme to talk about that stuff. But I think your knowledge in that area and observations in that area and just natural bend to like focus on some of those things is maybe a little bit different than mine where I I watch games and I primarily probably from my draft scouting background, I'm looking at player evaluation first and foremost. I'm, I'm able to say, here's why a unit's struggling. Here's why a concept's struggling because this player struggling where this player doesn't seem comfortable doing this um and so i will have a lot of player observations and and scheme and you'll have a lot of scheme observations and we will probably have some of those together there'll be some crossover too so it will hopefully be fun because both are reasons why your units struggle and excel and so i think hopefully it will be a fun dynamic of us kind of bringing both of those things to the table at the same time and then crossing over some as well And because I'm a
0: natural cynic, I said to you, can we start with the units that aren't working well so I can kind of cleanse my soul of all my frustration (laughs) from banging my head against the wall the last 24 hours going through having to go back and rewatch the Packers Giants game which I've now done I think three or four times in the last week. I was getting ill, violently ill during the fourth watching of that game. So, we'll begin with the teams and the units we think aren't quite working, and then we'll go into the units that are working very well. Shall we begin with probably are they the dominant storyline in the NFL? This is our thing. We don't really want to just do the hot storylines in the NFL, right? It's Mm -hmm. certainly not what I do on my sub stack. I go off and write about what the lines are doing on third down for two weeks because uh, I'm a window (laughs) like that, whilst everyone else is discussing other things. But I do think. This Packers thing is one of the most interesting uh, discussion points in the league because you can get into any conversation from footballing philosophy to why is he not hitting open guys in terms of Aaron Rodgers. Right? There's this giant spectrum of having this guy with this offense and you can go as macro as you want to as micro as you want. So where would you kick off in terms of the struggles the Packers are having on offense?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, one of my principal points when I'm looking at players and teams and trying to figure out what issues are and why things aren't going as right as they should be, is I always kind of say this, and I've said it on my podcast, typically, you are not going to start with the best player in the group. Like, I know that might blow people's mind. But most of the time when a unit is struggling, or a team is struggling, it's the worst players who are at fault, not the best players. And in the Packers case, that is true. In some cases, But one of my first observations from the game is I'm going and I'm saying, like, does the quarterback have a chance to make a lot of the plays he's not making right now? Obviously, the storyline, a lot of surrounding the Packers is Rodgers hasn't been him. He's the MVP and he's multiple time MVP. And so and he hasn't played like an MVP at all this season. And so why is that? That's to me, when I'm looking at an offense, I'm like, and that struggling. I'm wondering that first, like what's affecting the best player and why is he not able to do his job? Well, is it scheme? Is it coaching? Is it the offensive line of protection? Is it receivers not getting open? And there are definitely multiple answers here. And I'm sure you're going to have some thoughts on schematically what the Packers are doing. One thing I noticed right off the bat though, and I've noticed it this season, Aaron Rodgers just missing throws is not the only problem. He's not fully to blame, but he's missing throws that he typically has made in the past that I would categorize as easy or simple throws for him. He's identifying guys that are open in in these cases, but he's missing some of the throws. Um, A couple examples, just to let people know, I actually watched it. I'm not just saying that. Um, Third down early in the game, might've been the first drive, uh, clean pocket, uh, he has Robert Tunyon on an out route versus zone, and uh, I think it was covered three corners playing well off. He has him wide open right at the sticks, and there's no pressure. It's it's a clean pocket, uh, and Rogers just puts the pass low, and Tunyon has to kind of dive down and try to dig it out, and he can't. And later in the game, maybe a drive or two later, he's got Aaron Jones a nine a good old nine route. Aaron Jones' lineup is number one, I think, to the field, and he's got a linebacker on him, and he runs a nice nine route. It's wide open beyond the linebacker it's a touchdown if he hits it and rogers throws it behind him and kind of outside and jones has to twist back around and he falls down out of bounds and it's just like man those are the throws. like if you can hit a couple like that and there were a couple others throughout the game and he did also come back and hit a couple throws during the game he had a, a go ball to alan lazar down the left sideline that was perfect coverage and he placed it as good as he can so he is still capable of making the throws To me, it's not a is Rogers washed conversation. It's a matter of like what is happening that he's not hitting those throws as consistently as he does normally does, because that's obviously a huge piece of their offense. And when he's not able to hit those throws, it's one of the factors from a player performance standpoint that's putting them behind a little bit.
0: Yeah, and it's been pretty consistent now for I'd say three weeks, and I know that they'll probably point to the thumb injury for some of the stuff. There's the one. I think the Tonya one, he kind of slips. It was a bit weird. Mm-hmm. There's a, been an issue with him this year, certainly when he goes one to two to three. And I think it's it's massively about trust. It's something I've talked about ad nauseum that people listening to your pod may not have heard, but I've discussed in so many other places that there is a fundamental lack of trust in the offense. I think when you get to almost the human element beyond the, the schematics of it all, where they have become such an option-based offense, certainly in the deep passing game, they're doing a ton of the Sean McVay attack day daylight type stuff down the field right it's less predetermined than it has been in the past and I think when you get into that world with Rogers he likes to go into hero ball right we've seen this before he is mm-hmm. now in terms of yards per attempt I think right down to the very nadir of the McCarthy days which is when they went full on into we are purposefully high variance right that's what it's like with Rodgers when you're getting to his low yards per attempt it's not that he's not trying to drive the ball down the field it's that he's so boom or bust because he's holding on to the ball for 3.5 seconds per drop back. and when he was winning the back-to-back MVPs everything was really predetermined now it was the RPO game and some of that horizontal stuff right but it was the ball was out immediately because it was one he was going to one every time and mm-hmm. it was often Devontae right Devonte had an insane number of targets and we can get into the Devontae of it all and it's a big issue but this thing where he's holding the ball forever and then as you said missing guys I think he's like 31st in the league in terms of deep passing percentage or something like that it is a pretty shocking number for a guy as talented and as special as he is and he's missing like you said it's not just that he's missing and there isn't separation and we can get into discussion of the talent surrounding him He's missing open guys. And he's missing touchdown throws. Mm. He missed one to Cobb in the London game. He missed, you would mentioned the Jones the stuttering go right? that That's a touchdown ball. He misses that mm-hmm. one. He missed one in that game where they've had this now four times, I think, this season where they do what everyone's doing in the league, right? When they're seeing some kind of off and it's three, and particularly when it was sourced, right? They run the post and then they bring the bender in behind, right? So It's not quite mm-hmm. a quick out and they're purposely elongating stuff because they're saying Aaron's probably going to bounce and move around the boundary corner flies with the post and there's this giant ocean of space underneath it. And that's when everyone on the sidelines is cheering. Happy days. We, you know, we earned our paycheck for the week because we opened up a ocean of grass for Aaron Rodgers, and he just whiffs on it. And he's Mm -hmm. had four of them this season alone where it's like, I just don't think he is trusting what is happening in the offense. And when you hear him say, we need to simplify things. My pause with that is obviously simplify an offense that you won back-to-back MVPs and is a a questionable Mm -hmm. statement anyway. And when I watch that, I don't look at it and go, this is too simplistic. I think they're slow. I think they are pedestrian in what they're doing. And some of the stuff is becoming a little bit cliched in what they run in terms of down and distance. Mm -hmm. There's nothing about it where I say this is too simplistic. The only thing I can imagine he meant by that comment was, one, the viral video about all the motion, and I, I think I'm the champion of pointless motion uh, in, in the mm. football nerd world that I get frustrated by how much pointless motion there is in the NFL. And then I imagine this sense of optionality of trying to have, you know, deep reads, deep in the defensive backfield because you don't think your guys can win one on one. And so you're saying you guys go find grass, get me time. And I'm Aaron Rodgers and I'll figure it out maybe he is saying publicly yeah we probably do need to be a bit more predetermined in what we're doing so i at least know where guys are supposed to be and it all feels a bit more fluid and natural i'm not quite sure which one of those you know he's more upset with whether it's the motion or the optionality down the field i wish someone would ask the follow-up that would be really helpful but Mm -hmm. is there anything in terms of the big picture schematics you're seeing that you don't like when he's missing the stuff
1: No, and I think that's probably one of the more concerning things. Now, this happened before with Rodgers. Like, this isn't like it's the first time where he struggled to trust an offense and he's desired to play more hero ball and go off script and do things like that. And I think in general, just like Aaron Rodgers in general, does is a little bit skeptical of things period. And so like it carries over into football, like that it, it comes that when it comes to coaching staffs and when it comes to scheme and when it comes to players, like I think in general he struggles to trust. So he can get into the point where he's holding the ball a little bit too long. And a couple of things that like, and that's happened before in his career. I think earlier in his career, he was better at creating outside of structure than he is now. I think he's capable of it now, but I don't think he's as good at it as he used to be. And so the onus is on him even more to play on script. And when he does, I think this is a pretty good offense. We saw it at times against the bears when they played earlier this season, like that was a game where he was, the ball was coming out and it wasn't like every single drive, but there were a series of drives. I remember they stacked together and the ball was coming out quickly. He was trusting the scheme. Guys were making plays after the catch beginning of the, of the bucks game, same type of thing. Like he was literally the ball was out of his hands so quick. Everybody's like, why aren't the bucks getting pressure because Rogers is getting the ball out and he's finding the first option every single time, first option. And then Sometimes he gets into these modes where he is trying to pass up stuff that's open and create and make something else happen. And I do think when the picture changes post-snap, that is where Rodgers can struggle sometimes. Like when there's a rotation or when the coverage isn't what he expected it to be, um, I think that that sometimes he can struggle to make a new decision based on the new information. And I wouldn't... Panic is probably the wrong word. Cause like what I've, what Russell Wilson does is panic. Like he turns his back to the line of scrimmage sometimes and Rogers will do that at times, but he, like, he starts to like, okay, now I'm going to clutch the ball and now I have to see something like certain before I throw it. And I think that it rattles him. I saw it a, a couple times actually against the box, both times he's played the box in the last couple of years. It's happened as the game's gone on. Um, And that brings us to a, the, like I think what another big struggle of this group is when he does that, this is not the best offensive line he's ever played behind. So those issues get exacerbated more and more because Royce Newman's getting beat at right guard. Uh, Elton Jenkins has not been as good at right tackle as he's been at other spots on their offensive line before. That's been a real struggle for them. Even on Sunday, Josh Myers, who I think has been pretty good at center for them this season, he's struggling and getting beaten at times. So all of those things kind of get – when you have that kind of an issue, especially against a team like the Jets, that can get pressure with four – I think it becomes even more clear, like why he needs to play within the system because the pieces around him aren't good enough to play hero ball and win, like when he had Devonte Adams so when the offensive line had multiple pro bowlers on it and Lindsley was there and all that stuff, it's not the case anymore. So he needs to play more within the system or he's going to continue to get burnt. Like he has this season. That's the
0: strange thing where he almost works with the inverse, right? Where, when he trusts everything around him, he's happy to play within the structure. He's like, cool, now screen to Devontae. They, they they threw more now screens than any team in the league by like a factor of four in one season last year, which was just pick up and throw it to him. And now screen is a punt return, right? There is no blocker on a now screen. You just throw the ball to the, the singled up guy, the ISO guy, and try and let Devonte go make a play no one else in the league really runs them to that degree and they were running them a ton so there was no hero ball when he trusted the offensive line and he trusted basically the, the guys around him mostly Devonte. then as those pieces get pulled away and as you mentioned i mean the offensive line we can get into it is just being a, a mess and elton jenkins a right tackle they have to now move him into guard at some point it's just not working for him playing outside when he gets less secure with what's around him is when he's like, well then I guess I'll do it all and I'll hold the ball more and I won't listen to Matt and I won't listen to the offense. And it's such a, it's such a unusual response to the situation. It's like, no man, this is the time when you should just play within the structure. And if the structure stinks then the structure stinks, and then we'll, you know, you'll have Mm -hmm. to figure out a new structure. Uh, Just before we get to the offensive line, do you have kind of a a broad, I don't want to use the word take opinion on This concept of him and motion and him saying there was the viral clip yesterday. I know about his kind of explanation of why he doesn't like there being so much motion in the offense. One thing that really jumped out with them. I went through some of the numbers this morning. They are 31st in the league in the average depth of target when they use a motion. And as Aaron mm. Rodgers would like you to know, they use a motion on basically every single play. <laughs> and he hates it, right? That's what he yeah. says. I do not like this. It drives me crazy. And they usually, mm. they basically use motion as, you know, you can use it to ID coverage or to disrupt things. They use it basically to apex people by getting the exact leverage they want on the play, whether it's running the ball or whether it's to, to get it out quickly to someone. So they are now using motion to basically move the ball four yards at a time, both on the ground and in the air. That is not a functional NFL offense when you have Aaron Rodgers, right? And when mm-hmm. they go into the straight dropback game without motion, uh, I hate to tell Matt Lafleur because I'm sure Rodgers will have a presentation prepared for him. He probably had it ready to go this this Monday this on uh, Monday morning. Their average depth of target almost doubles when they're not mm-hmm. motion. So it's pretty clear that they have decided we need to window dress our way down the field. We do not trust our talent. And it's going to be all kind of confusing, clobber-style football, both in the run game and then mostly throwing the ball, just to try and steal some leverage so that he feels comfortable getting rid of the ball quickly. And that just, to me, is something that is fundamentally flawed going through the season. At some point, you have to line up in third and medium, third and long, right? And they have, what is it, the 30th uh, ranked, offense of the nfl on third down at some point you've got to line up on third down and go make plays and play matchup football it's the nfl right you can't just your way through third down right. it's not going to work and that to me is a giant giant red warning sign of even if they fix out any plays on script i'm not quite sure the script their script is telling you they don't trust their guys to win early in a rep
1: and there might be some validity to that i missed the rogers clip actually that went viral did he specifically say what it is he didn't like about the motion. I know you're talking about some of the, the results that have been bad with it, but did he specifically say what makes him uncomfortable about it?
0: Yeah, he said that he wants more time to diagnose things. He was using Peyton's example from the Denver years where they would line up really quickly out the snap, right? It would be two by two, three by one. They would never move mm. anyone. And by using his cadence or by using tempo, that was another complaint of his that he likes to go no huddle and you can't go no huddle emotional all the time because you can't yeah. sit and it gets all It's really hard to communicate all that stuff. Those are his two major things. And what he would prefer to do is to get up to the line of scrimmage early and by using his cadence, which is like, you know, his secret weapon is his cadence. Mm -hmm. He can reveal the coverage rotation himself through the cadence rather than trying to manipulate it with the motion. And the one thing that's happening all across the league as teams just got better with their motion was one, as I bang on about all the time, there's so much pointless motion because teams aren't responding to your motion. If they don't respond to it, it was basically irrelevant, which is why Peyton didn't do it. They weren't responding to his motions everyone has their pre-built in checks right and now we're seeing more and more and if you watch what the chargers do is a good example people are locking the motion man intentionally to, to freak you out they lock the motion man so you go oh it's man 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 mm-hmm. and then everyone else in the defense is zoned up they lock the motion man even if the coverage ends up looking awful when you view the all 22 right all they want is that delay from the quarterback going hang on a second that was supposed to be man all of a sudden max mm-hmm. running around the corner and into a hole that's all they're looking for right to match up sport so I I do take his point on that and i think it makes sense that it does limit them in terms of tempo and he just it's it's john it's Aaron Rodgers.
1: he wants control that's it comes down Shocker. To, i think he just <laughs> wants some control yeah i think that that's it goes back to that often with rogers to be honest and i some ways i understand it because someone with his ability skill set and i think pre-snap mental processing is good for him and i think like that part of it like I understand why he would want more control and I do think some of those things could be uh, of assistance to him. I am, I am a proponent of motion, but not in the volume in which the Packers deploy it. I think like, I think there are times, especially I think in goal line situations where especially motion at the snap has created advantages for them. Obviously with Devontae Adams, there was already the advantage of having Devontae Adams, but also like they did a good job at times of using motion to their advantage at the snap to create opportunities and angles for Devontae Adams to win and get in for them to be, I mean, I think a couple of years ago, maybe it was last year, the year before I can't remember, they were like the best, most proficient red zone team in like recorded NFL history, I believe. And they were that good in that area. And I think motion was a very helpful tool to them in that area but it cannot be a catch-all for the reason you're talking about. You actually don't get as much information all the time from motion as you used to, or, or against uh, across the board against every team. Like there's certainly situations where you can, but how much can you trust it when, Oh, it might mean something this time and this time and this time, but then these other times it doesn't mean something and teams are more likely to leave you guessing um, at times when you use motion. So I think because of that, I understand what he's talking about when you use it in volume and kind of it's like your indicator, period, and you don't get to use other things at your disposal. Then it doesn't really always help the picture, and then it can make it harder for him to trust what he's seeing post-snap. That's a good point, though, because it is if if you go through that
0: first half of the New York game where they just drove down the field pretty comfortably, but it mm-hmm. was three yards of pop it was like they were running a red zone offense over the whole length of the field. And that's what it feels like at times of them. They currently lead the league in the volume of screens, which is pretty strange when you have Aaron Rodgers, again, speaks to a lack of trust of guys winning early in the rep, And then they lead the league in the volume of fades. And I know this has been a huge, huge issue for Packers fans because they're... Average third down to go when they're in like three and two or third and short is they are averaging eight yards an attempt in third and short, which is strange. And again, it's all slot fade, which is Rogers' favorite throw and he's maybe the best at it, right? So I get you want to go to what you're best at, but a insane portion of their offense is screen and fade. And those are the we don't trust anyone throws, right, is we're going to try and turn our receiving core into running backs. And often those those running backs are the receiving core. That's another part of the problem. Right. And then we're just going to try and take throws down the field fades because that's Aaron's throw. And we can kind of make it's a low percentage throw, but it's also a low percentage turnover throw. And he's obviously a risk averse quarterback down the field and everything just feels so, so fractured for them, I think.
1: Uh, there's a couple things that are interesting to me. It's definitely the issues that we talked about. I think um, to a degree, but then I also think one of the struggles with them is that right now, when teams go man coverage against them, there is no clear and obvious like answer for them, and they can scheme guys up, and that works to at times. Like it's certainly, there were elements of that against the Bucks. I think of a couple weeks ago more of a struggle against the jets, honestly. And I'll talk about maybe a couple of their players just quickly in a second. I know we joked around, we're going to have a whole pod on sauce Gardner. Um, But I think that one of the cool things is that right now, when the, uh, when the Packers go, have, have been able to work against primarily zone coverage, the bucks came out and they started in zone coverage. Like they were able to find things and get things going pretty easily. And when the bucks switched to man coverage, it really altered like what the Packers are doing. It was very hard for guys to get open. And Rodgers is, as good as he is, he has, I don't know if he has m- been this way more than people want to admit, I think probably, but is very much this way now. A very risk-averse quarterback. His interception numbers are indicators of that. Obviously, it's good that he doesn't throw that many picks. One of the struggles that comes back on the other side of it, though, is that he also doesn't probably test as many tight windows as a guy with his physical capabilities could if he if he laced the ball in there. Now guys aren't getting separation, and he's more hesitant to put balls into tight windows than he was before. So part of it is wide receivers probably not winning and creating as much separation as he'd like. Um, another part of it is Rodgers probably not being willing to take chances when he should with certain throws that could you know, potentially be in arm's way. And so I think there's kind of a like combination of factors there. The Packers wide receivers in some ways have impressed me. I think that they have made pretty like in, in general as a group, I've seen good ball skills out of the group. I've seen smart football out of the group. I think they know what to do against zone coverages. Even somebody like Romeo dubs, I think has been precise with route running at times, like who's a rookie and who's playing in some of his first NFL games. Um, obviously Cobb and Rogers, you know, Cobb has still in the league playing because of his intelligence as a player. That's a huge reason why he's so successful. I think Lazard is a very smart player. I think these are high IQ football players and pretty good technicians. So in some ways I've said, Oh, the Packers wide receiver group actually kind of impressed me. Like they're not lost. They're not out here dropping every single ball that he throws to them, but athletically other than dubs, probably the group, the rest of the group I think is kind of limited in what they bring to the table where they had Devontae and MVS before now there's not that same factor, right? There's not the same speed element, and maybe that comes with Dubs or Watson eventually, but there's not the same deep threat element. There's nobody that's creating that type of separation that's threatening defenses in that way. So teams are fine with manning up and shutting down the Packers run game, and and it's just totally different than how they played them in the past. I think Rodgers is struggling to adjust to that some.
0: And I know Watson has been in and out um and has been dealing with injuries and he basically just became the jet fake guy and they gave him one and everyone had a, a big party because he actually was given one and he took it for a touchdown. But I mean that relationship basically soured from the first play from scrimmage of the season when he dropped the deep shot. Roger's was like, I'm never trusting that man again.
1: <laughs> that's basically it, it, That's how it goes with Rogers, though. It's like you got you got to, like, right? You have to come back to him. And obviously he's been hurt, so we'll see if he does. But yeah, there's the dynamic is, is key. I think the dynamic between those guys and it'll be very interesting to see how it works its way out throughout the season. But right now it's, it's a, a big issue amongst like, again, it's hardly ever one thing, but I think that the, the relationship with the receivers and him trusting them in certain situations and maybe them fairly needing to earn more trust. I think it's all part of the problem right now.
0: The last thing I think of note for me is that the, going back to this idea that they're two best players on offense outside of Rogers, they're running backs and how they use and manage that and i know there's a big cry about aj Dillon gets too many carries compared to aaron jones i'm not quite here to to litigate that maybe you're interested in that conversation i don't know what's interesting is that pony package they've got a ton of play right in the preseason this is what they're going to do they're going to put two backs in the field one they haven't used it anywhere near as much as i think people expect i think it's one of those ones where this is where numbers help in football is because it's unusual when you see it you, you, you're seeing it more and you're just telling yourself well they must be running that a lot because those two guys on the field or they do it regularly in the opening script right they like to use it because what they're doing really is intel gathering what is the check this team is running we've studied all week what their check is versus two bad. let's put it out there in the opening drive let's confirm that's the check we expect and then we'll see if we can come back and attack it later on usually um in the high red zone is where they go back to it but when they have actually played it it's been unbelievably ineffective right they average <laughs> about 3 yards per carry, they're 25th in the league in terms of yards per attempt when two backs are on the field. It's, it's a major net negative for them outside of, as I said, figuring out, oh, it's this check and let's use it as a payoff play, maybe in the higher red zone. So you're now in a situation where you're saying putting our best players on the field makes us bad. And that is just never a place you want to be in as an organization, right?
1: Yeah, it's a great point. I actually had some notes. This was the 20 personnel like battle, right? The Jets and the Packers, they both want to do these things where they get these two running backs on the field. And I think every year you see in camp, oh, they had two running backs on the field for whatever team it is. Like the Bucks put Leonard Fournette and Rashad White on the field together. First time I think I've seen them use a pony look since Tom Brady's been in Tampa Bay the other day and people are, like freaking out about it. I'm, oh, both of them at the same time. It's like, what does it do for you? Like, I just like when I think about like personnel and how defenses match up, like I'm not like that worried about Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon being on the field at the same time together. Like Jones is a good receiving back, but like he doesn't give you some crazy advantage in the past game. I think just because he's on the field at the same time as AJ Dillon. Like, I just think you can defend it still in multiple ways. Now the Packers probably better to use it than the jets the jets have used it. And I watched several snaps of which am using it. And I'm like, I just think you can probably get what you need without putting both these guys. In the field. I don't get where it's giving you an advantage. Like it's not like, Oh, like, Oh, two running back. What do we do? Like, you know, they different the Packers come out. I mean, I watched, they changed their personnel grouping every time. Sometimes it was just straight nickel. They came out first time they did it. It was five one five. I'm like, okay, so are you dictating any real change from the defense? Like, and are you able to take advantage of that in any way? And I just didn't really see how that's working for either team. It just, and it speaks to the running back position too. I think, in general, one of the reasons why it's a devalued position compared to others is that it can only help you really in one way. Like, you can't do that much stuff with it. Like, oh, that's, it's just t- typically that, that doesn't work that that's way. That's the you know? big issue for them. Their package out is not
0: very diverse. So with six mm-hmm. weeks and everyone has their check, and as you said, most of them are just like, we're just not going to respect this. This is not two back in the way that having Kyle Juszczyk or Patrick Ricard is two back this is a nonsense and we is Seth Galina gets on with me about this all the time because I'll say oh man look this is cool and wonky and different and I like cool and wonky and different and he's like what does that do for you why aren't you just lining up an 11 personnel of your best receiver on the field <laughs> that makes it makes yeah. absolutely no sense to do that right. at least the books in that game if I'm not mistaken when they put Rashad White in they went to the pistol he was like in the mm-hmm. side right they motioned him out for the screen is that the right play I'm thinking of I think I think that is right yeah it's a wide ass open screen it should have been six Brady blew the screen right it's like Mm. it did actually freak out the defense on that one but now that it's being canned it's like well it will not freak out anyone again for the rest of the season they'll all be you know ready and aware for it you you have a pretty limited window I think when you when you trying to base certain elements right. of offense out of that. And they actually, I mean, they average like six yards in attempt when they've run out of 11 personnel. So they're better at doing the thing they're trying to do when they don't have their two backs on the field, essentially. Mm-hmm.
1: It's amazing, but taking defenders out of the box and out of your way typically helps. It's something we'll talk about in a second with the box, but I think it's a big issue with the Packers too. Like their EPA just in general, kind of as a rushing team has not been what it typically is either. I think that that part can improve for them. Like I've seen enough of their scheme over the years, even if I haven't like studied this year to see if there are any major differences or anything, but like, I've seen enough of their scheme over the years to know, like, and I know those two backs, they're good players. I I like to see the splits and maybe you have them. I didn't find them before we went on, but I I feels like probably because they're such a, like, just in general, like they are, Struggling, I think, on first down, but it's not that necessarily because of the pass. Like they have their tenth in EPA on early down passing, which is not amazing maybe with Rogers as your quarterback. But like, I think all things consider the fact that they're not a great EPA team this year. Period, or putting up many points on the board. Like the early down passing has been really successful for them. To me, I would wonder if they're doing it enough, and I'd have to see like exactly what the number. I'm not going to accuse them of not doing it enough. I noticed a few times in the Jets game, it felt like they're running a lot on early downs. And when the rushing wasn't successful, like, you know, you get into their 27th and drop back EPA on third down. I'm guessing from that. And maybe, and I need to look into it further. Probably I'm guessing from that, that they are not in a ton of like third and one third and twos situations as a team, because I do think that 27th and drop back EPA suggest that you're getting some longer down and distances that are putting you in more uncomfortable situations. Not that there is an ad- advantageous down and distance, by the way, on third down, we'll talk about that in a second with the bucks, but I think there could be something there with play sequencing, not to the degree of a team like Tampa Bay, maybe that we'll talk about in a second, but I think that could look at some play sequencing things and say, okay, it might be better for us to alter our approach a little bit in this way so that we are setting ourselves up to run the ball better when we do run it. And no kidding, it goes
0: back to the um, the third down point I was making earlier about how when they're in third and short, they don't run the ball at all. And yet they have an insane success rate when they do. And then when they decide to throw the ball, it's all fades. And it's like, what? How is this the plan? And maybe, yeah. again, you know, everyone's trying to read in, which is Rogers's wet dream is have everyone reading into his comments in 9 million different ways rather than just saying what he was thinking. But, he loves it. And he even he he said, I want to simplify the offense. And they asked Matt LaFleur, and he said, I don't know what that means. I don't know what he's talking about, simplify the offense. It's not the most sophisticated offense in the world anyway. It's 15 concepts, and they move a lot, basically. Yeah. So maybe by simplification, Rogers did mean, like, if we're in short, you know, downs to go. Let's maybe just slam the ball up through the a gap and see if we can get yeah. down with AJ Dillard. Maybe, but you know, he also has control of that too. You know, it's kind of another classic Rodgers trade-off. It's everyone else's issue. You know, it's the offensive yeah. issue. When hey man, you can check into a run there too. It's mm-hmm. I would like him to explain his concerns
1: um, in terms yeah. of complexity. But like like many things with him, it would benefit him to trust the experts. He's not the only issue with this team with the offense, but. I do think that he is an issue. And I, like I said, I wouldn't necessarily always say that about every team. Like, I prefer to start with okay, who are the weak links on the team and how are they affecting? Like, are they impacting win loss, success rate, EPA, like at a higher level than maybe like the best player is? And in the Packers case, there's definitely not all on Rodgers. But I do think it's he's played poorly enough for his standards that I think it's pretty fair to list him as one of the reasons this offense has struggled.